I'm on the uh, top of the pirate ship, the chicken of the sea pirate ship, sitting right up here with Bobby Driscoll. And I think I can see coming now two of the most important people here uh, at Fantasyland. The real star of it is Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And they're on their way, ladies and gentlemen. I can see them coming. There they go. And they're going into the Mickey Mouse Theater, a beautiful movie house which will have a continuous performance for children who visit Fantasyland. But first, let me take a selfie. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, I don't know about you, but this past week, I've been seeing Disney Parks costumes in my sleep. The past week, all I can think about is the fact that Patty had told us that she studied up on these characters at like 3 a.m., scrolling through the uh the old photo carousel that we provided the character list and then having to go to bed after looking through and seeing the uh the the piercing eyes of pinocchio and captain hook like i don't know about that and luckily those characters did not scare her away from part two because patty is back to help us crown the weirdest disney parks character costume patty welcome back Thanks, guys. I, I can't wait to see who is crowned winner. I hope that you didn't do the same tactic in uh, studying up this time around as you did last time, because I want to make sure that you're good because no one should be looking at these things at 3 a.m. I'm good. I actually did not study. And so I'm going to, you know, as we talk about them, pull them up and then be reminded of why I'm here and why we're all here today. Hey, I think you're going to do just fine because we are good at providing some recaps about what we talked last time. Um, and we're going to need to do it again anyways, because we're talking a visual <laughs> topic for a podcast. It's it's a little weird. I hope that everybody listening had a chance to go to our Instagram uh, and check out the carousel that we put together, because those are a lot of the references that we'll be making are on those uh, on those photos. Before we get into it. Chris, I had an experience. All right. Tell me about it. I, I, I decided that I'm going to go to Disneyland in June. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm double vaxxed up on that COVID juice. So I'm going to be fine. And I can't wait to go experience the parks in this kind of mild capacity uh, era that we're existing in. But earlier this week on Tuesday... Disney opened up dining reservations to a lot of their restaurants, not a lot, handful of them, included Lamplight Lounge, uh, I think Carthay Circle's reservation system just reopened, maybe it didn't, and uh, the Blue Bayou. And if anybody knows me, you know that I'm going to go eat at the Blue Bayou at any chance I can. Uh, If you don't know what that is, Blue Bayou is the restaurant that is located within the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Uh, I tend to try and go once 
every single trip I'm there. Uh, it's usually a lot easier to get reservations if you plan ahead. But of course, this time, limited capacity, high demand, it's going to be tough to snag them. So I looked everywhere on the internet to find out what time these reservations would go online so that I could be there to snag them. Uh, you knew that Disney was going to put in some sort of virtual queue and they did not let us down. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. We uh, So I woke up at 6.45 a.m., hopped on the thing. There was already a queue. I'm pretty sure the thing opened up at 6 a.m. Sat in the queue. It didn't even let me in yet. It said uh, the queue is full or there's a high demand. We will let you in soon. Around 7.10, I get let into this queue. The time, less than a minute. It's like, okay, why am I even in a queue? Why didn't you just let me straight into the reservation system? About three minutes later, I jumped to an hour and 55 minutes. No. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, well, I kind of expected this. Like the queue system's kind of whack. We've seen it with the ticketing. We've seen it with uh, Galaxy's Edge when it first opened up. Kind of expected it. So went about my morning. Had my, I had it on my laptop. I had it on my cell phone. Uh, went through, made some coffee, came back and checked in. I was only at 55 minutes. This is like what? four minutes later. I was like, Okay, so these numbers literally don't mean anything. They're this is all arbitrary. <laughs> They're made up. So continue to like make my coffee, make my breakfast, get ready for for work that day. And at one point, the in the virtual queue, it's a it's a GIF of Big Thunder and the trains just kind of going around to so yeah. that you know that yeah, yeah. the page is still live. Well, yeah. my train stopped. No, and I was like. Did my computer just freeze? But the <laughs> no. thing says, don't go back because then you lose your place in line. So I'm like, <laughs> please, please don't. So it still said 55. And then about five minutes later, it changed and just started dropping quickly. And I, oh. But the train was still frozen. So I was like, okay, page is still live. Every two or so minutes, I was dropping about 10. And I was like, this is so stupid. Go down, go down, go down, go down. I get to five minutes jumped back up to 45 oh. and i was like what am i supposed to do within this queue system like how am i supposed to monitor it when i'm also it's it's a tuesday morning i gotta go to work went from that 45 down to two and then that switch from two to less than a minute took about five then i was finally in oh my god once i got in there were zero reservations available of course this is about course. this is at about 7 50 a.m no reservations i'm checking the blue bayou i'm checking dca and now that you have to like reserve your spot in the parks you have to remember what time you're going to be at different parks because you have to reserve your time at the first one and then get over to the other one after 1 p.m whole mess so i'm trying to like remember where i am on each day i'm going for two days Head back over to the Blue Bayou, and I'm like, oh, still nothing. Go hit dinner, still nothing. Go back to hit lunch. A spot opened up. 2.30 p.m. What? Your boy snagged it so fast. Let's go. Your boy about to be sipping Let's go. some hurricanes on the Blue Bayou Lagoon, and I am stoked. So if anybody out there is listening, uh, on Monday, May 23rd, whenever this comes out, 24th, 
check back in on these reservations because Disneyland's starting to uh, extend capacity. They're starting to open up even more so as California opens up. So that makes me think that the reservations are going to also open up as they extend capacity. You would hope that means that they're going to extend <laughs> capacity for the, the restaurants so that the people that they're letting in have a place to go. So keep checking back. Don't let, don't let it get you down. I know that Tess uh, went in and had a hell of a time and ended up getting reservations. So there's hope out there. Keep checking back. But I can't wait till the day that I don't have to deal with a virtual queue. But I empathize with all of those who have to. <laughs> it was the worst experience. That is that is uh, quite the triumphant end to that story. I yeah. wasn't liking the way that it was going. And it felt like I was on the Tower of Terror or whatever, Guardians of the Galaxy, just going up and down. Where is it going to stop? We don't really know. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt the entire morning. I was like, am I going to have to do this during a meeting? Am I going to have to? It, the times don't mean anything. I wish Disney, you're the largest, most prominent company in the world. I wish your tech just worked. <laughs> just invest in tech. So like the fear of not being able to eat though, like that's that's real, especially yeah. for me. And and I remember I went New Year's. It must have been like turning 2017, maybe turning 2018. I think it was turning 2017 though. And and there were there were no obviously no covid restrictions back then it was full capacity day so there was tons of people there and you still couldn't like find a place to eat not even the counter service like we went to like crappy pizza planet and there was just like no pizzas to be to be had like i got like a nasty piece of like tomato pizza and had to eat it over a trash can <laughs> uh, at at like 11:30 p.m. Uh, that was like the only food I got in the park that day. So I don't know. It, it, in that moment, I was like, this feels like a survival situation. <laughs> like the, yeah, the bat, there's no, there's the crazy lines in the bathroom. There's nowhere to eat. Our pets heads are falling off. Um, <laughs> it was just like not pleasurable. So I'm hoping that with all those COVID restrictions in place, it doesn't feel like a survival situation there. Patty, have you ever had a Disney dining horror story or survival moment in which you had to eat a piece of pizza over a trash can? You know, it's funny. I've been to Walt Disney World on New Year's Eve as well. And this was back in like 2017. And it was just packed. And like, mm. there, this was before mobile ordering, I think. And so like, you know, I was there with my friend's family and our dads went to like find food for like this big group of nine of us. And they're just like, whatever, wherever there's like not a huge line. So, you know, we're just yeah. eating random, you know, pizzas <laughs> or like whatever from Disney World or I think we might have been in Epcot. So just random assortments. Of, Here's something you know, from the Moroccan foods, pavilion. Like wherever there wasn't a line. Yeah. Like <laughs> if there wasn't a line, we were like, all right, we're going to just eat that. Like it was just so it was crazy. It was insane. Like to look back and be like, wow, like we were really shoulder to shoulder with people for like the fireworks show um, at midnight, like is really crazy to like reflect upon and think like we might never get, who knows when we'll get back to that, that state. But yeah. yeah. That's probably like new year's was, was crazy. Um, yeah. Otherwise I don't know. 
Disney dining is, I leave that to my parents. I just like, I'm like, if, if you guys care about it that much, like you guys can handle that. So there you go. There you go. Well, uh, as we start talking about uh, characters, circle our conversation back to uh, the weirdest Disney parks character costume bracket. We did have a little bit of feedback from part one. Yeah. Uh, people, surprisingly, I thought this bracket was going to go totally under the radar. People would be like, oh, that's kind of quirky. Those pictures are funny. But people were responding to me uh, with like, yo, this is really <laughs> accurate. Or, yo, you really missed this one. And we had Barry reach out and co-sign on the Haunted Mansion trees from the Disney sing-along music video. Yep being traumatizing yeah i mean they were there which then oh my gosh this week since the release of the episode has brought back not only so much feedback but has inspired brackets we're eventually gonna yeah, dive great. into the world of these sing-alongs because of the scary scary trees which i also found out aren't in the snow white ride anymore I didn't even realize that they removed that part of the ride. So this is the terrible. At least we have the sing-along trees to be really weird and really scary. And Tess also reached out to us and said, we missed an opportunity with Radcliffe from Pocahontas. Yeah. Which. Yeah, that's a weird one. 1000% because that's a character whose name I didn't know until Tess sent us the video. (laughs) And in the video, she had captioned at Radcliffe and two uh you know unfortunately not a very memorable character in Pocahontas <laughs> so no. it is weird that this is a character and that was a part of the Halloween festivities I don't even see him that much as a villain but I also don't really remember the movie so there's that yeah I think they do this thing during Halloween or maybe for annual pass holders once in a while it's like a rare character meet and greet mm. and they, they they whip out like some of those old like 90s ones like uh captain phoebus which is another weird costume yeah uh and it's like this is your chance to take a picture with this awful awful costume that we hope to never bring out in public again <laughs> well to get us through this weird characters bracket to crown our weirdest character we of course need a spoonful of sugar chris what do you have this week so i'm back from vacation Back in the city, and while I was gone, the beer section at my grocery store moved upstairs and pretty much quadrupled in size. And I'm so happy (laughs) because if y'all don't know how it works in New York City, you cannot buy beer at a liquor store. You can only buy liquor and wine at a (laughs) liquor store, and then beer is at the grocery store. But all grocery stores in Manhattan are teeny tiny, and they don't want to carry a lot of beer. So sure. your choices are extremely limited. So I walk upstairs and this, it's just like angels were singing when I went upstairs to this new beer section. And I'm just like a kid in a candy store. I'd be like, I want that. I want that. I want that. So I, I, I picked my first one. Uh, and obviously I had to go with the sour ale because I've never seen a sour ale at a grocery store in Manhattan like ever. So this one is from Duclaw Brewing Co., which is in Baltimore. I think I've had a Duclaw on the show before. I can't remember which one, but it's a sour me black apple sour ale and uh, black apple. Like that just sounds so good to me, especially when you consider that it's sour. And uh, 
I immediately thought of Pinocchio because he takes an apple to school and we've been talking about this black glove Pinocchio. So I guess I'm going to just rename it to the sour me black glove sour ale and I'm going to try it right now. Give it a little taste test. Literally the best beer I've ever had in my life. (laughs) That is incredible. Every time you find a new one, it's going to be the, this is the best beer I've ever had in my life. I hope Kyle Madsen is keeping track. <laughs> I didn't know beer could taste so good. It's so good. Uh, anyways, uh, great success. 10 out of 10. Kyle, what do you got? I have a beer as well, and this is a IPA from Faction Brewing in Alameda Island here in the East Bay. Uh, it's called Commando 450. Um, its label has a guy being showered with hops. Uh, and I picked it because I've had a lot of factions beers, but I don't know that I've ever had this one and it's good. It tastes like an IPA that I would enjoy that Chris would hate. It's of the (laughs) West coast variety. So it's a little bit smoother than, and less of the, the hoppy, uh, you know, normal IPAs would come. Um, and this is now one of my favorites. I got it from a uh, a tap room here called The Good Hop in Oakland. And so if you're in the East Bay, if you're in Oakland, go check out The Good Hop. They got a ton of local beers. And I'm very happy with this one. I don't really have a name for it. Don't really have anything to uh, connect it to. Um, but I'll save it for the, the next time we do this and I have a cocktail that I can name. Patty, what are you drinking over there? Um, I'm having kind of deja vu because last Friday when we filmed, I was in the office shooting practice. Today, I was in the office shooting practice. And at our cafe, we have Tazo Giant Peach Tea, uh, which was which I was drinking last week. So I know last week I said it was I was going James and the Giant Peach to switch things mm-hmm. up today. I'm going to go... Um, with like, I'm going to call it like the matchmaker's tea because I think about Mulan and this scene where oh. the matchmaker oh, asks her yeah. to pour the tea, but like Mulan's staring yeah. at the matchmaker because she went like this and has like this like pen ink mustache. Um, yeah. So we're going to go with matchmaker's tea today. Didn't the lucky cricket fall in the tea and he was like sitting yeah, in it like, like, like a jacuzzi? He was chilling. <laughs> 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 oh man underrated sidekick underrated yeah i don't sidekick. know if we've ever talked about the lucky cricket like I, I, we probably brought him up briefly uh when we were talking about mushu but that dude's funny can't wait for the disney bugs bracket <laughs> oh my that's that's what he'll show heimlich takes heimlich takes that one like easily right like I mean, no no debate prob- probably. Brackets I over. Mean, we have an entire movie in which we need to pick <laughs> characters from so and the lucky cricket might sneak in all right let's talk about last week our demographic that chose this bracket, original bracket of 16, were folks socially distancing themselves from characters at the parks and having to wave from afar because of the COVID restrictions. These folks gave us some weird, weird, weird responses. We talked all about it last time. And this is where we left off in our Elite Eight. It's the number one 1950s Mickey and Minnie versus the current and 90s Hades. Uh, down the brackets, the number four. 1963 Dwarves versus the number 12, 1980s Geppetto. Across the bracket, it is the 1957 White Rabbit (laughs) at the number two spot versus the number 10, 1960s Captain Hook. And rounding out the Elite Eights, the number three, 2013 Jessica Rabbit versus the number six, 
1955 Pinocchio. Chris, one verse eight, Mickey and Minnie versus Hades. I'm letting you take the floor. Woof. So just to kind of review uh, what we talked about with Mickey and Minnie last week, really the important thing to remember is that these opening day original Mickey and Minnie costumes were not created to be Mickey and Minnie costumes in Disneyland Park. They were created as ice capades costumes for ice skaters to wear on the ice. So they're very funny looking, very low tech, very low quality. And they used to have these slits, big slits in the mouth area for the performers to see out of, which were eventually shut. And we're kind of combining those two earlier versions of the Mickey and Minnie costume here. Um, Generally, the consensus that these is that these are two very scary Mickey and Minnie costumes. Uh, <laughs> all, all of the photos are very like grainy and black and white, and they have these bug-eyed uh, expressions on their faces, which are uh, quite scary. Uh, they're going up against Hades, who is one of the more rare Disney character costumes that appears in the parks. He was created as a part of a Hades parade, which, is, sorry, a Hercules parade. I wish it was a Hades parade. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked about that parade in the best Disneyland parade bracket. But eventually they got him off the parade and he's just walking around the parks doing meet and greet stuff. Not so much lately, but uh, he was doing a lot back in the 90s. And he appears during special events and Mickey's not so scary Halloween party a lot lately. Some things that we pointed out about Hades were that he's very broad-shouldered. He has a super thick boy neck. Um, he, his hair is absolutely silly, silly dad golf visor hair. Yep. Um, he's got enormous forearms, um, and he's just generally large. So to, to kind of build on all of these conversations, I will start with Hades. I was really thinking about how we can improve on like any of these conversations. I was like, we've dissected these photos and the way these characters look so much. What more is there to say? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some time and try to find some video of some of these characters oh. and, and maybe get a sense of like the, the movement of them to try and understand them a little bit better. Yeah. And I have a whole different understanding of Hades. Um, he is not very mobile. No. Uh, his, his neck does not swivel. Mm -mm. Uh, some, some Disney characters, like, they, they kind of swivel, uh, depending on, like, where the head, uh, like, connects or if the head connects. Uh, this Hades has to, like, do a full body turn right. if they want to turn their body. And that basically, like, restricts how interesting the costume can be. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it seems like every costume, or at least a lot of them, I don't want to say every single one, they have like an interesting feature about them uh, that the guests can kind of like interact with. A good example would be like Pluto's tongue hmm. and that he always be licking people. <laughs> right. And so uh, Hades' hands... And his fingers yes. are like the things that he uses to express himself. <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes. he can't turn his body. Uh, like Mickey and Minnie, they have like the gloves. They all, they're like doing a lot of stuff with their hands. Their faces like, move now. Right, right. So like Hades, he can't really move, and so he's just got these fingers. Yeah. 
he, he's doing this a lot. He's like like evil villain sitting at a desk, like twiddling his fingers together. And also he does this thing like while he's taking a photo with a guest where he like he kind of like uh, flicks his fingers like in the direction of the guest. Well, he thinks they're not paying attention to try to like scare them a little bit. <laughs> really, really weird like move uh, for a character to make. Yeah. I am interested to know how these fingers operate because there is no way that they can find a performer who has long enough arms that they can fit like all the way down and up and into these long fingers. I watched a video last time in all which right. uh, they showed him walking around. He was like in a, a, a like a character caravan walking down the, the path and their arms are in the sleeves. But the fingers are obviously padded at the tips, at least another finger length. So they have mobility, but then they have these really long extensions on their fingers that are probably, it's just padding, it's stuffing. And that's how they're able to do it. Because you also notice that his hands are, his elbows are always kind of like by his side. Because that's the only place they can do it. They're wearing like a shoulder harness. Yeah, (laughs) They can't extend their arms out. So it's like here and then the fingers extend out with like padding. So I I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of like extender thing. We talked about some characters who have little <laughs> extensions like Sully's arms. You have to hold little rods to like. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just like, again, this is like a seven foot tall costume. So I'm like, how can a human realistically like have arms like, how can you have, like, a seven-foot wingspan even to get that far to, like, get your fingertips inside of the gloves? Like, could there be, like, yeah. a little, like, uh, kind of like a... It's like a puppet. Like, it's puppetry, you know? Like, maybe... Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a mystery. So, if anyone's ever performed in Hades in a Disney park, please email mousemattispodcast.gmail.com. We would love to know how Hades' fingers work. <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about the hair. Uh, last episode, it being a really weird, cheap-looking material that looks like a, like we said, a, a golf hat that a silly dad might wear, a clown mm-hmm. wig of sorts, and and this is like one of the more interesting parts of the costume to me because when I worked in TV, it was a reality TV show, and the hostess would keep getting like little strands of hair like kind of like we they they were called flyaways and so they would have to stop filming so someone could come over and like brush her hair hmm. to make sure everything was like perfect and Hades our boy needs someone <laughs> to do that for him because he goes out at the beginning of his shift and his hair is like normal Hades hair looking like a little ball of fire and by the time he comes off stage it's like crazy killer clown hair yep and uh, looking at like various photos of Hades, not one photo does his hair look exactly the same. No. So I'm no, like, no, no. like, could they put product in Hades' hair? I don't Probably. know. But watching it move in videos, it's very wispy uh, and has a lot of movement to it. And I don't know if that's intentional because like the hair is kind of supposed to be fire or uh, it's really an oversight because. It doesn't look like fire when it's not straight up pointy. Yep. 
Um, Mickey and Minnie. There is footage of the original Mickey and Minnie Mouse. They appear on the opening day Walt Disney special. Yeah. Uh, and they're on for like a, a a second. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, Mickey and Minnie. And they like run out and they like skip out and then they like <laughs> bow and then they like run away. And it reminds me of like when little kids play dress up at some type of like family gathering and like they want to show everyone like their the costumes they've made or like some little dance routine they might have like put together for yeah. their family to watch. And like I I appreciate the weirdness of the way this Mickey and Minnie looks and how it is kind of scary and like very poor quality and doesn't really look anything like them and that does make it a weird Disney Parks costume. But I feel like I'm more willing to give them a pass due to the fact that it's like a not a Disney Parks exclusive created costume and that they were very early in the stages of developing this like art form to the point where they run on stage and they're like, oh, there's Mickey and Minnie and everyone has really low expectations. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I see that. Yeah, I see how that could be <laughs> Mickey and Minnie. And then, and like, no one really cares. And then Hades in like the mid nineties where they've had at least 40 years of costume experience. Like this, like this is what they, this is what they throw out there where the standards are much higher and people are going to be like, dude, what the F is going on with this costume here? Um, And just like all of the little details that we keep breaking down of this Hades costume, the hair, the forearms, the neck, the fingers, the face, the size, the shoulders, like all of it put together really makes it the weird Disney Parks costume to me. So I'm advancing him to the final four. One thing that I didn't talk about with Mickey and Minnie that Patty had hinted at was the way that their faces are quite literally drawn, <laughs> drawn on. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it with Captain Hook a little bit. The eyebrows look like drawn on sharpies but the interesting decision that was made is that these eyebrows were drawn like turned down so they look perpetually angry which feels (laughs) like why why would you draw the eyebrows that way and even if they're not drawn on why wouldn't you restitch refelt the eyebrows to not be turned down mickey looks pissed off (laughs) like so so upset that's and, true and Minnie doesn't Very look true. any better and really it's the same mouse head but the difference is Minnie's got a bow on and these massive eyelashes massive eyelashes they look like the eyelashes that do you remember in like the early 2000s people would put eyelashes on their cars on their car headlights and they'd oh, be God, like, yes. like the, that's it looks like Minnie's wearing the car headlight. I see that. Yeah, eyelashes. I see that. And then her her lips sure. are painted. <laughs> but that's like, yeah, it's the same head and the same eyebrow structure. It's just so, so, so bizarre. And I brought this up with um with Patty again last time. And I don't know if it made it onto the podcast, but there was no height requirement or limit on these characters. So like. In the early days, these characters could be as tall as you could want them to be, depending on the entertainment staff. So imagine this like glaring, angry, (laughs) bug eyed mouse staring down at you that's six foot plus tall, you know, it's terrifying. And and just like, I don't know it. There's a there's a sentence 
from uh, this blog called Dave Land, who has archived a ton of Disney history stuff. Highly recommend going to check out his blog. Uh, Dave Land says, apparently, even the post-Ice Capade costumes would even show a flash of skin and were heavy and hard to wear. So, like, these costumes were like a one-size-fits-one-person, and they just shoved people, shoved them in. <laughs> oh, you want to be Mickey today? All right, well, the leotard's only going to go so far down your wrist, and so you might show some skin. Weird uh, quality control issues there. Hades, you nailed it. Super bizarre. The We really need to figure out how his hands work. I'm pretty sure it's somebody really just T-Rexing it through the costume, and, and there's some... Uh, some padding extensions on their fingers that they're just very limited movement. But I think the weirdest thing uh, between these two, oh man, it's tough. This one's tough because it, Mickey and Minnie are super weird and scary looking Hades as an overall costume choice. <laughs> and, and with their history of costume design is also super weird. I think I'm going to agree with you. I think Hades is definitely the weirder, of this because of the history leading up to that that they had to fix and even so they were like we need to force this Hades out here and oh, yep that looks like him send him out there I think this will be fine weird choice because it's not necessarily fine it's really scary and they haven't done a whole lot to fix since uh Patty we have an 8-1 upset do you agree or did you think that the mice were going to move on I I agree. I think in thinking about, you know, it's it's not scariest character yeah. costume. It's weirdest. And, you know, in essence, Mickey and Minnie are not scary. Like they are and they're not weird. They're they're the staples and they were just done poorly. So like we're looking <laughs> at execution versus like intent. Oh. You know, Hades yeah. uh, was intended to be Hades and like it looks like Hades and you know, you can tell it's Hades. I think, you know, there wasn't the intent of making these terrifying Mickey and Minis. It was just to your point, like these were for the ice capades. Like it wasn't necessarily made for, for Disney. So, um, and, and thinking about just like the, you know, what I just said, like intent versus whatever I just said, but yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I have, I have to agree. Hades moves on. Let's move on to the next matchup. It's the number four 1963 Dwarves versus the number 12 1980s Geppetto. Talked a, quite a bit about Geppetto, and I don't know that I have much else to say. He he, I stand by my statement. He looks like a roadside gas station bobblehead. He looks like a Einstein dressed to be Geppetto. <laughs> like it's just it just misses oh the mark across God. the board. Like I love a I love this costume so much because <laughs> it's like it's obviously Geppetto in the context of Disneyland. Yeah. No no other character really looks like this. Like you walk in you're like that's Geppetto, but then when you take a step back and remove him from maybe the context of the parks, which you probably shouldn't do when we're doing a weirdest parks bracket, but when you do, this looks like a generic old man costume that could have been used for like literally anything else yeah and it's so funny to me <laughs> it's just and he looks like he's wired at all times <laughs> I, they, they gave him like an oversized button down shirt put a, a craftsman apron on him gave him the old timey uh 
pants and long socks and and shoes. Low effort, low effort on the designers. designers Kyle, do you remember when we were in the Family Vacation Center Time Warp show in 2014? Of course I do. Do you remember what character I was in that show? You were Albert Einstein. (laughs) And like, I didn't remember that until right now. And this is literally exactly what I looked like. Like a a terrible, terrible white mustache, fake mustache with like the worst crazy frizzy white hair we someone has to have a picture of that somewhere we're gonna track that down and post it yeah we're gonna track it down for sure we so i probably have it i'm gonna look back there and i'll find (laughs) it but the difference here is that at least we were like don't give him an albert einstein head just dress him up as albert einstein here they said let's make this human character one of our felt costumed characters and that's what's weird it's up against 1963 dwarves. We talked a lot about how their arms are limp. And I hate that their arms are limp so much. It's such a weird design choice to me that the interactions, like they can't give kids hugs. They can't high five. They can't do anything because their hands are in their big oversized heads, which is also weird because their heads are in the hats. <laughs> it's like... Uh, take this clip out of context and just show it to somebody and be like what is this person talking about right now his hands are in his head and his head's in his hat makes no sense and it makes very little sense for this costume as well one thing that i didn't bring up last time uh these costumes lasted until 1969 and they were replaced by the same kind of costume setup where it was tiny bodies with these oversized heads but when you look at them side by side that new iteration of costumes is so much clearly modeled after the character's design than these ones these ones look like somebody saw the movie a few times and said i can do it and they look (laughs) like the dwarves that like you know and and you've seen right you can tell which each one is but then you see the new ones and you're like, these look like the actual characters. <laughs> right. It's kind of like the, right. the Woody and Buzz glow up that they recently had. It's like, yeah, those are them. And then you see the new iteration and you're like, those are them. In this matchup, I can't go against the weird choice to put the hands in the head. I just don't understand why that was made to be especially when these characters are made to meet people, why you wouldn't give them their arms? And then why would why the expression was put in their face? They're already characterized as their character. The sleepy one looks sleepy. The grumpy one looks grumpy. Doc looks like Doc. Dopey looks dopey. Like their their face and how they're made is already like that. Why do you need to then animate them? Through their face. Why can't you let the performer use their arms to pantomime that? It's weird. Geppetto is bizarre, but the dwarf's choice of costuming is even weirder. I'm going dwarves number four. I'm not sure I agree with you that this concept of like big head, inoperable arms, the hands operate the face is weird when you think about the era that these existed in the Disney park in the 60s. I can't really remember if we discussed like 
the history of parades in general, like when we were talking about Disneyland parades, but when this park was born, people were much more easily entertained and like (laughs) doing things like seeing a lot of people walk down a street was like the coolest thing you could ever see. It's like, whoa, look at those seven dwarves that are all walking around. That is awesome. Like, I mean, it would still be pretty cool if you saw that like in the parks today. But I mean, this experience might have like made someone's whole childhood if they saw like uh, something that even kind of looked like a seven dwarf. I was able to stumble across some uh, like archive foot, not archive footage, but just like old footage of these seven dwarf characters interacting with guests. I think it was probably part of uh, like fantasy on parade or something like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's really weird to see like their faces move. Um, But it seems like people are really like entertained by it at the same time. It's like, Whoa, that I wasn't expecting that. Or like, I, none of them had an issue with it. No, they're all loving it. They're very, very like, uh, captivated by like the way grumpy's nose like goes up and down or uh dopey's ears wiggle Mm -hmm. so it's weird to us now i'm not sure it was as weird to them back then but i can agree with you that these don't really look that much like the seven dwarves and that is weird um geppetto so So like Geppetto, so here's the thing is like, I was only going off of this one picture of Geppetto where he's standing by the fire truck and he's got his hands on his hips and his head kind of tilted. And like, that was such a weird photo because it's like also sort of grainy and you can't see a lot of detail in his face or his hair. And I think with some of these older characters, part of what we perceive to be weird comes from us having to look through these like old pictures that are sort of grainy and, and like low quality that makes them seem a little bit more weird or more mysterious or more scary or more cursed. Like, sure. uh, like that photo, uh, we posted on Twitter of like the Mickey and the white rabbit. Like that's a cursed image right there. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and if it was like shot in color on like a DSLR camera, it might not seem as weird, you know? Right. So I was able to find a couple uh, newer photos of Geppetto and it feels le- way less weird looking at him in kind of a slightly higher definition. So uh, I'm going to agree with you and, and move the dwarfs on. I think there are a few more features going for them, uh, at least more than there is with Geppetto with him just kind of being a little bit generic. So we're sending the doors to the final four. Patty, hey, you you don't have to break any ties yet so far, but do you agree with this one here? I actually don't. I Oh, wow. Um, I go back to the whole intent versus ex- execution, and I think the intent for the dwarves was pure, per se. Like, let's have Snow White and her seven little dwarves. Like, the expressions are down. Like, I totally understand the weirdness of, like, the, the limp arms and... <laughs> the heads and the hats and what you guys were saying. But I think it's also, you know, what we talked about in the first episode was who asked for Geppetto? Like (laughs) no one asked for Geppetto. Why isn't he a face character? Like I saw something on like a Disney parks blog on Instagram (laughs) and it was like 
this old like white man going through like the Pinocchio restaurant. And I sent it to Kyle. I said, this should be Geppetto. (laughs) Like it was like two days after we'd filmed our first episode. I was like, this is, this is what, you know, should have happened. And so for me, it was just, you know, the decision of why do we have Geppetto? Why is he cracked out Geppetto and felt, (laughs) um, so that's, that's just me. I totally understand why the dwarves are weird, though. So, All right. So let's move over to the other side of the bracket. Who will face these two in the final four? We've got the number two, 1957 White Rabbit versus number 10, 1960s Captain Hook. I don't really have anything to add with the White Rabbit. We established that it literally is an Easter Bunny costume. <laughs> and Walt Disney doesn't know the difference between Easter Bunny, White Rabbit, and the Chipmunks. Um <laughs> Very weird story that was told last week about the opening of the Alice in Wonderland attraction. We're going up against Captain Hook. He, like the original Mickey and Minnie's, has a very strange look on his face. It is slightly more in character for Captain Hook because he is a villain to kind of have like a mad look on his face. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing that I didn't really realize with Captain Hook until I started watching video of Captain <laughs> Hook. And that's his nose. Uh, Captain Hook in Peter Pan does have a very pronounced nose. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, like that they like just wouldn't do that in the parks. Right. But uh, the shape of this character's head is very interesting and very like um, distinguished. It's very distinct. He has a very distinguished face shape. Um. So I found this video. Uh, Disney Parks character costume training video geared towards the Peter Pan unit. So it was Mr. Smee and Peter Pan (laughs) and Hook. So I would highly recommend uh, anyone who's like looking to kill a few hours, go on YouTube, type in Disneyland character costume training tape. There are like dozens of tapes. I think they're from like the early 80s and they are so fun to watch. Like rule number one, these co- these characters are very real to the children at Disneyland. So rule number one, do not talk. <laughs> because the children will be able to tell a fake performance voice. Really, really weird. But um, they're kind of like showing off all of the different like moves that Captain Hook might do. Most of them were involving like pranks and combat with Peter Pan and like how to react to Peter Pan. But for having this, like, big, weird head, the Captain Hook body is, like, very nimble and, like, very agile, and he can dance, and he can run, and he can shuffle, and he's yep. he's pretty spry, which is, like, uh, very interesting, and I wasn't really expecting that from this costume that that normally belongs to a taller costume performer. Right. So I think about like Hades or Woody who like doesn't move so well, but like hooks, hooks got moves y'all. I think the fact that we only have a couple of photos of white rabbit to work off of just makes him not as interesting to me. And the fact that it's not really a white rabbit costume, it's an Easter bunny costume also makes it less interesting to me. Kind of in the same way that I advance Hades over Mickey and Minnie. I'm also advancing hook over this, fail white rabbit costume the um 
the training video when they're talking about Hook, or at least they're just talking about like being a character in general. He's in like one of the shops on Main Street and uh, Jack Wagner, who's the, the voice of Disneyland and was narrating this video, said something like, you know, you're wearing these costumes that are really hard to see through and they're often big. So when you turn, you have to do slowly or else you're going to like knock things down or somebody could get hurt. And that's where you see Hook's like profile. And they did not skimp out on his nose. Like, looking head on, it looks like a very protruding nose. But then when you see him at his profile, and he, like, he spun around really slow so you could see how you're supposed to turn, like, when you're in a crowded area. This thing comes out so far. And and you also get to see how much his, like, eyes bulge a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like... I always thought that in the photos, at least, like it was this big felt head with kind of the Mickey and Minnie eyes that are just like embedded in in the head. But these like bulge out and then it looks like the the pupils of his eyes are hollow or at least you can see through them. And that's where our our performer looks through. Um which is just terrifying. Imagine being like a kid and Captain Hook, like in this video, he does it, bends down to like say hello or, or do something silly. And you, <laughs> you catch pupils through the through the pupils. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're looking up through and you just see the performer looking through like binoculars at you. <laughs> the entire time I watched that training video, I was like, I would hate to be in that costume <laughs> so much so much yeah it's it's weird it's weird the uh the white rabbit is also extremely weird but the white rabbit feels like a rust job that probably didn't last past this 1957 opening day of the alice in wonderland attraction um i say that because we don't really see anything else other than him in the context of the attraction opening. Uh, you don't see any meet and greet opportunities with him. Uh, probably on this day there were, but who's going, there's no photos because yeah. he looks terrifying and no one wants to take photos with them. So I think you're right. I think as a Disney Parks costume goes, it's probably best that we go with captain hook because it's definitely the weirder choice that lasted a pretty long time i mean that training video is from like what 1971 or something like that yeah like the 1960s captain hook lasted quite a while without them changing it and that's really bizarre patty what are your thoughts on captain hook moving past this easter bunny imposter um quick question on captain hook uh, his non-hooked hand, is that like his actual hand? Is it gloved? Is it a character hand? What does that hand look like? I think it's his hand. It's the it's the performer's hand. I, I, I think he like must he must like grab a little stick. Yeah, the hook. But like you can't you can tell that like it's slightly longer. Like his his like normally, like when you have a hook hand, like both of your like <laughs> wrists end at 
they like end at the same spot and like clearly it's like a little bit too long it's like when someone in a movie pretends like if you've ever seen arrested development when buster gets a hook (laughs) his hook hand it's like his 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 arm's just a little bit too long so you know it's not really gone (laughs) not that that makes a difference i was just really curious um Yeah, I think in this in this context, it is the weirder one. the The bunny is still ter- uh, the right white rabbit is still terrifying, but I think it goes back to like, you know, it's like a Easter bunny costume. It's not it's not a pure what it's supposed to be. So I don't think it should move on. So Captain Hook is weird. Let's move on to our final Elite Eight matchup. It is the number three 2013 Jessica Rabbit. First, the number six, 1955 Pinocchio. Pinocchio's another Ice Capades. And I joked and highlighted about his gloves on the last one. But you're telling me that in preparation for opening day, even if it was like day of, they could not find white gloves for my man's Pinocchio? Like, we know he wears white gloves. All of these characters wear white gloves and they're like, ship them out. Doesn't matter. Black gloves, they'll never notice. He he looks like a Hollywood Boulevard character wearing those. <laughs> yeah, t- Times Square Pinocchio. Yes, exactly. It's exactly what he looks like. It's down to his overly floppy hat. He has the drawn on Sharpie eyebrows that are turned up so you know he's friendly and nice. Unlike Mickey and Minnie or Captain Hook. And it's just so funny to me that his legs are probably obviously round, but they painted that felt so nicely. <laughs> it looks like he's walking on wooden legs. Now at the end of the movie, doesn't Pinocchio turn into a boy? Isn't he real now? So uh yeah, he is real. I don't know. Is there a Pinocchio sequel or oh. It's gonna be a bracket. Pinocchio that two. No one should ever ask because I don't want to. Watch but he does else. turn into he does turn into a boy at the end of Pinocchio one. Yeah, right. You know, so I'm just like, is is it a like a Beauty and the Beast two situation where? <laughs> okay. Yeah. He he back. You know. Sure. Yeah, it's uh yeah walk around beast as well. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Aren't you a real human at this point? Anyways, this is puppet Pinocchio. He's back. He's got black gloves on. No one said a word. It's very bizarre. It's up against 2013's Disneyland Paris Jessica Rabbit. We talked about why. We understand, I I think we understand, the choice of making Jessica Rabbit a bodysuit and face character because this character has a history and was created to be sexualized essentially right like yeah yeah and so to have this character in the parks especially uh you know meeting and greeting could lead to some very uncomfortable and inappropriate situations for that performer so i totally understand why they went that route what i don't understand is why they did it in the first place no one there's no way that anyone was asking i mean maybe but the creeps were but there's nowhere, no one asking, like, I really wish I could meet Jessica Rabbit during my trip to Hollywood Studios or Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris. Like, 
maybe I just don't realize that Roger Rabbit's a huge fad in Paris and maybe it was in 2013, but this was like for a special event. It was called like the Disneyland like movie dreams, dreamers dream event or something like that. So this was even like a special situation, but she was still able to like meet and greet people. And they rolled her out in this awful, awful mask. There's no way like around fixing the issue of the character. But they just like went for it. And that's what's weird. Patty was talking about the intent and execution. I don't know what the intent was. The intent was to like beef up their meet and greets, I guess. But you have a plethora of characters to choose from. And so even if the intent was to get Jessica Rabbit out there to rehype up Roger Rabbit and the Roger Rabbit movie and the shorts that came along with it, the execution was so poor. <laughs> even if it, even if they had to bodysuit up the, the performer, the mask is awful. The mask does not look or fit or flatter any performer and even you know, honestly, even resemble a ton of Jessica Rabbit. It's just, it looks like an overdone Halloween mask. And that's super unfortunate. My whole thing with this matchup is the fact that Jessica Rabbit existed and met with people and was rolled out in 2013, kind of like Hades being rolled out in the 90s, knowing this is what she looks like. It's a weird choice. It's a weird looking mask. It's a weird looking costume. They didn't even like manage to drape the hair over her eye. Like this is 2013. This is like Disney knows that people are on the internet. We're on Twitter. We're on social media. We're going to share. We're going to critique. And they rolled out with this and it makes zero sense to me. I'm moving the number three. 2013 Jessica Rabbit on. So all three of us work in social media and we represent brands that are not ourselves. So I want to ask both of you a question. This is something I have done before. Oh boy. Have you ever sent a tweet that you know maybe people aren't going to get or like isn't the best tweet you could send in that situation, but you're like, I just had this idea and you know what? I'm tweeting this for me. I True story. There was a game in Oakland that I was working a couple years ago. And we were, I don't know, it was like a Tuesday night, maybe. Nothing's really happening. Mid-season. Nothing important is at stake. I tweeted only, or I didn't tweet. I posted to Instagram only high school musical lyrics for the entire <laughs> game for no reason other than that's just what I wanted to do that game. <laughs> Tuesday night game versus like a, a, a no-name team. I was like, I'm going to just do this and just see what happens. And it turned out people loved it. But yes, I've been there, done that all the time. Patty, what about you? I can't say I do that all too much now with the Niners. But minor league baseball is another story. Because okay. that was where I got my start. That was when social wasn't what it is like today. And even though that was like in 2017 – it was still very, I feel like we haven't unleashed its like full capabilities. Um, this tweet still haunts me, not because it's it's like bad. <laughs> wait, 
can't wait. This tweet still haunts me. It it haunts me in, in like, it didn't do numbers at all. It just was, like, something I wanted to, it was, like, a meme I wanted to get off and, like, a lyric I wanted to get off. All (laughs) to link back to, like, Star Wars Night. And I actually screenshot it and, like, tweeted it a few weeks ago. It might have been for, like, May 4th. Like, May the 4th be with you. And so it's like a river, it's a tweet from the river cat. <laughs> Can't wait. And um, I literally tweeted a few weeks ago, like the screenshot, and I was like, this still haunts me. Or like, I can't believe I did this. But it's, it was that, it was a, it's a picture of a, uh, a, um, of a fan who's dressed, whose full on face makeup is Darth Maul. So it's like right. red oh, yeah. with like the black. Yeah. And, it's a picture of him at the stadium. And so I put our little made the like Star Wars night logo on it. And the tweet is like, the tweet is like, it was one of those ones where it's like, Barber, like, what do you want? And then the guy goes, like, I'm trying to run the Sith with my woes. And then Barber goes, like, say no more, fam. And like, I thought it was great. I thought it was like gold. It got like, you know, like 15 likes and like, you know, two. De- That's fire for minor league baseball. <laughs> yeah, two decent comments where it was like, give this per- give the guy a raise. And I, I don't know. It still haunts me because it's very cringe. Like I would never do it today. But I feel like it was kind of appropriate at the time. And like, I don't know. That one was that- for me. Oh. I don't know if we, you know, generated ticket sales to Star Wars night. But that one in particular was for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love yes. that so much. What do you okay, Barber, so- what what Barber, what do you want? Me. I'm trying to run the Sith with my woes. <laughs> Barber, say no more. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The thing yeah. is like this is an incredible tweet. Like, this is an incredible tweet, but, like, people won't understand your genius when you send something like this from an account like this. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you first are- comment, delete this. <laughs> and then you replied, eh, it. Man, this AAA social guy tried to get called up to the MLB. And then you replied, girl. <laughs> you gotta let him know. <laughs> Gotta let them know. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So Thank you for asking that question, Chris, because, uh, well, well, what's yours? So, oh, I do it all the time. And like, that's why I loved working with the Yankees because when the Yankees are on the, the West Coast, everyone's asleep. And so you can tweet whatever you want and no one reads it. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I'll just do like little, little quotes, like from, like, like you said, like a high school musical quote or something that I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to send this because I want this on my resume. I want to put this on my website. Um, The reason I ask is because that's what type of energy I get from this 2013 Jessica Rabbit is like someone whose job it was to pick what characters were going to be a part of this like event just loved Roger Rabbit. And they were like, I'm just going to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm just going to order them to do Roger Rabbit. Screw it. I love Roger Rabbit. Let's do it. <laughs> and and this is this is what happens when you when you make those decisions. Is it's like maybe the creator enjoyed it, but I don't know if the audience 
enjoyed it very much. Right. Um, so let's circle back to Pinocchio. Uh, I could not find any other photos of this Pinocchio other than the one. Yeah, uh, it seems like a very rare version of the costume or one that was reworked very, very quickly. So what is the expression on this Pinocchio's face to you? Like, to me, it is like the emoji that is like uh, two, like the eyes are open, but the mouth is like flat where you're like, you're just like speechless over something ridiculous that just happened. It looks like the two eye emojis with the lips that people reply with. The, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's li- this is that's his emoji sequence is the two eyes with the pink lips. It's it's one of shock, but it, he looks like surprised Pikachu almost like one of shock, but <laughs> knowing why he's shocked, like he shouldn't be surprised. Uh, uh, confession, Kyle, I changed my contact photo of you in my phone to this Pinocchio (laughs) (laughs) because this is my favorite photo of any of the photos that we got from this bracket. (laughs) I love this picture of Pinocchio. It is so good. Uh, and it is so weird, but it's just not as weird as Jessica Rabbit. I agree with you. That not only is the costume weird, but the choice is weird. And that is what we are going for here. So I'm sending Jessica Rabbit to the final four. Patty, another one you don't get to be involved in. Uh, What do you think about this? I 100% agree. I think if, you know, if there is a demand for Jessica Rabbit, get that at like a cosplay convention. Like get that (laughs) somewhere else. Get that out of here. Like we don't need like. We don't need that in the park is is my thing. You know, when we're talking yeah. about being on brand and stuff like she's not on brand in that in that sense, you know. Yeah. Um, I also think about like the ride, like Toontown. Mm-hmm. Who goes to Toontown? You know, like <laughs> kids, right? Like kids go to Toontown. Do you want Jessica Rabbit in Toontown? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So <laughs> let's hop back to the other side. We've got number eight, Hades, versus number four, the 1963 Seven Dwarves. So we were talking a little bit about like mascots that we've known in the past or like known people that have performed as mascots. Uh, We're all gauchos here on this call, UCSB gauchos, University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, For those of y'all that don't know, a gaucho is an Argentinian cowboy. And uh, at UCSB, there is a walk-around mascot named Ole. Uh, he is a man with a hat and a mask, and, like a bandit mask and a big mustache. Um, he's at soccer yep. games and basketball games, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> I had the privilege of oh. putting on the Ole costume once. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was a commercial shoot because I was a video productions intern for two years. And we were shooting a commercial with Orlando Johnson and Emily Johnson, the Johnson and Johnson era of UCSB basketball, which was a great freaking time to be a UCSB basketball fan. And so they were doing this, this commercial where they were playing horse. And one of the like moves they called out was like bank it off of Olay's head. So they had to like shoot, they had to shoot me dressed as Olay. And then like they threw a basketball at my head. Uh, oh my gosh. So, this is like the only time in my life I've ever put on like any type of mascot costume. 
And I'm someone who doesn't have very good hearing, who I have, I have good vision, I have better vision than most, but not, I'm not like eagle-eyed. But my sense of smell is sharp. Oh, no. It is hands down my best sense. And when I put on this Olay costume, I will never, ever forget the smell that was in the Olay head. Oh, no. It is a top three worst smells I've ever smelled in my life. Oh, no. For sure. And it just smelled like moldy foam. I mean, it's really hard to describe a smell, but... You could tell it just like wasn't washed very often. This Hades costume, without any type of like reference, I know for a fact is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> I just know it. I just know. Like the fact that the performer probably has to like exert themselves a lot by like wearing this big, heavy costume that restricts your movement. It also seems super thick. It's dark. It's hot. Like, especially, like, when they were on that parade float, just, like, <laughs> no sun protection whatsoever in the middle of the day. Forget about yeah. it. Like, that okay, costume well, was so, stanky. So, the Hades, where the person is looking out, is right below the the collar. And the costume is, like, a, a satin, almost, like, mesh that he's wearing that the performer's looking out and under wearing a harness so the thing's probably like in their face and not to out you but you were saying earlier today that your your pop screen on your microphone didn't smell too great because <laughs> it, it we've been talking into them that material is similar to what they're looking through and i imagine it being up on on their face uh, yeah so not only are they wearing this thing breathing into this mesh but they probably didn't wear it the day before. And that's disgusting. And it's not that I think the Seven Dwarfs costumes don't smell bad, but it seems that those big masks are made out of rubber and the hat is made out of something like a polyester that's a little bit more breathable, probably. The Seven Dwarfs look like they smell like the inside of a sweaty basketball. Yeah, which is, which is like... Not great, but I don't think I don't think fungus grows on it in the same way that like wet foam has fungus yeah. growing on it. Um, yeah. But I mean, like it's Disneyland. I imagine that they have like very strict cleaning measures for these costumes, and they like try not to make them stink. But there's no way it doesn't stink. I'm telling you. Uh, it's Hades. It's Hades to the finals. It's everything we've talked about. It's the hair. It's the face. It's the size. It's the stink. It's the fact that he has kind of been like erased from the character roster recently only to be like reinserted on special occasions. Um, it's the way he interacts with guests. It's the fact that he's a newer character that uh, is somewhat botched. I mean, Hades is a good villain. I don't want to be like the idea of like making a Hades character is a really bad idea. I think it's just like such an impossible task for a character yeah. that is like half fire and like sure. smoke. Uh, it's just really, really hard to pull off. So yeah, uh, nothing against the dwarves. I think they're weird in the in all the ways we've talked about them before. But I think Hades for me really stands out on this bracket, and I'm advancing him to the final. They had to make Hades the way that he is, very large, 
fingers need to be long and proportional to his very large body because in the movie he is a huge figure like he's bigger than Herc and Herc is a big god so they try to replicate that and you can see Hades up side by side people and it's like yeah this is a huge character so no matter what gonna look weird and menacing because this costume is literally larger than life what was weird is that the dwarves never looked like this their heads were never three-fourths of their bodies they never had limp arms they (laughs) i'm still just stuck with the arms to be honest i i just don't understand and i get that like the era people easily surprised easily pleased like every every character did have their own like face movement uh dopey could move his ears bashful could blink kind of like flutter embarrassingly doc could move his glasses up and down but why <laughs> don't i don't know that it was needed even if it was there uh it wasn't necessarily like no that's that's a good costume do you see how see how Doc's glasses moved? Like, I'm glad they did that. Like, no. I'd be distracted by the fact that their arms are just dangling at their sides and running along. It's just weird. I'm going to go with the number four here. Patty, it's tiebreak time. You got number eight Hades versus number four, 63 dwarves. This is really hard. Um... Because you both bring up really good points. And my my first thought is, like, if one of the seven dwarves was done right, would we be having this conversation? Like, it's all, I almost feel like Hades is outnumbered here. Like, the quantity of weirdness with the dwarves almost makes it an unfair advantage. But I think, I think also the fact that there's seven makes it weird. You know, like, yeah, like, it could be unfair that there's seven of them, but also it could be, like, it's freaking weird that there's seven of them, and, like, you never experience one at a time. Like, there's always zero or seven. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess, yeah, I mean, it is very strange. That's also, like, a lot, like, I don't know a lot about, like, the costume, costumed characters. Is it the same people every day? I would assume probably not, although... There's probably, like, a small roster, um, and they kind of shift you like any job. Like, you're trained on Hades, and the, and then you'll get, like, two shifts a day, five days a week, or something like that. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm looking through our slides now, because this is, like, really hard. Because um, you guys both bring up really good points. Now I'm just thinking about the smell and like I'm <laughs> kind of like disgusted. Smells are important. Smells are really important. Um, I get, and I think it also comes down to our definition of weird. You know, yeah, like yeah, we haven't even talked about that yet. We no. what is what is weird? Weird's think, relative. Yeah, I think it's to each their own. I think we've to you. It sounds like. Weird is when the uh, intent and execution don't align, or if they do, they do so poorly. Yes. (laughs) 
I almost want to flip a coin. They're both very weird. Um, I'll tell you right now, this is the lowest stakes thing you could ever do in your life is choose <laughs> a choice on this podcast. I just feel like it will like change the trajectory of this entire bracket. And if it does, it could, it could. If it dies, it dies. <laughs> All right. I'm going with the dwarves. I'm going with the numbers game here. Why do we have seven? Like, I mean, we know why, but like, is that, is that necessary on a daily basis? Looking at the, the motion, I hadn't seen those before. Like the little gifts you put in this slideshow. Uh-huh. I don't like it. I <laughs> And I, that's, it's next that, level. Like that <laughs> takes it from like nine to 12. Yeah, yes. That completely changes. Like, oh, these guys are like kind of cute, whatever. But like the, the movement is, it's a little much. Um, so we're going to go with the dwarves. All right. Dwarves to the finals. Who will they meet? Will it be the number 10 1960s Captain Hook or the number three 2013 Jessica Rabbit? Well, this one is definitely difficult because Captain Hook, even though he's got that Geppetto situation for me, where that's obviously Captain Hook. Who else wears a red robe and has a hook for a hand, despite what his face looks like? It looks like a. <laughs> it looks like a. It looks like a pinata representation of him. You know, like the the head. Yeah. <laughs> is like very craftily done, where it's like you you made it in your in your backyard. You bring it out for your five year old's birthday. And then, like, the robe is immaculate. Like, everything else that the character can wear that's just human body, great. The fact that, like, his face in the movies and that they try to emulate on this mask is so grotesque makes me understand why this isn't a face character. I think that you, you move into the territory of, like, Robin Williams's hook when you just make this a pirate and then that conf- that conflicts with the fact that you have pirates a pirate's attraction in the park if this does not look like captain hook then who is this you know i i think i understand fully why this is a charactered costume and not a face character because it would be really hard to find somebody that looked even remotely close to what Captain Hook looks like. You could do it with Geppetto. Find an old man. Sure. You could do you could do it with uh most other face characters, but Captain Hook is a is one that can get away with it. Up against Jessica Rabbit, who should one thousand percent be a face character in any other realm, uh, but doesn't because our society sucks. And if we took away the fact that our society sucks then i would hope that they would have plans to just make her even if she has to wear the bodysuit like some of the princesses do i'm pretty sure like ariel and jasmine at this point in in our history wear some sort of like skin flesh colored mesh as well uh to cover up a lot of their body I know that they didn't. They didn't used to in like the 90s, but I'm pretty sure now that they do. For some reason, I remember watching a parade 
at Magic Kingdom and explicitly like noting that Tink and Ariel, neither of them had any kind of like flesh like uh material covering their body. I was like, oh dang, like they're they're fully exposed. I feel like not in like a bad way, but in like a surprising way. Yeah, I think that's be- probably because they're on the parade and cannot be touched for a lack of a better, you know, like they're sure, not yeah. interacting face to face with people. And I'd like to say that Disney isn't necessarily necessarily like censoring women's bodies, but more so dealing with the creeps that come to these parks. Um, it's true. But that's an entire thing that I'm not qualified to speak on. Yeah. But regardless, they could have made this character a face character, even if she had to wear this mesh thing, which makes me think that also maybe this is like a man wearing this costume. <laughs> like at that point, it doesn't at that point, it doesn't even matter. Right. If you have to mask up the character, like it could be literally anybody. But what I think what it comes down to here for me is the fact that like Jessica Rabbit in the zeitgeist of Disney is not necessarily something we will think about at all times. Obviously, she now you brought up last uh, episode. She has this kind of like collectability. There's a lot of Jessica Rabbit memorabilia that you can like get and collect. But that's even few and far in between. And you can tell by the pricing on that. But she's up against Captain Hook, who is just, as I described last time, it's those eyes. It's the, it's the bugged eyes that they rolled out forever. This character was there in the 60s, and then this training video we watched was in the 70s, early 70s. Like There was no, it looks like an ice capade costume that they just ran with for the next few decades. And that's what's super, super weird to me. It would be weird if Jessica Rabbit, we could say like, yeah, I saw her too in 2019 at Disneyland. She looked just like that. That would also be super weird. But they ran her out for like a day and then (laughs) they saw the tweets and said, we cannot do this ever again. It's the same with the White Rabbit. It was a poor decision in a split moment while Captain Hook and his legacy and his bug hollow Pupil eyes lived on for decades. I'm going number 10, Captain Hook, in the upset over three, Jessica Rabbit. So I like that you mentioned the pinata thing with Captain Hook. Pinatas <laughs> are notorious for not putting eyelids on whatever character that they make. Wow, you're right. <laughs> and and yeah, there's no eyelids on this Captain Hook. But you know what character does have eyelids? 2013 Jessica Rabbit are offensively <laughs> noticeable. And like, I'm, I'm staring right. at him right now and I'm like, I want someone to Photoshop this, but her eyes are completely open. And like, what would her face look like <laughs> if, if the, like all of the whites of her eyes were actually visible? Um, oh no. So I, I revisited the scene in in Roger Rabbit when she sings the song can't remember what the song is called because the scene is is pretty uncomfortable and difficult to get through uh they're in like that club and RK Maroon is like got his tongue out or something and she's like yeah it's like some type of like burlesque 
type thing yeah. maybe or she's a lounge singer yeah. i don't know but yeah, yeah, um yeah. i was trying to figure out like what what else is weird about this costume and i'm gonna i'm gonna do another summer camp reference i've been doing it a lot but i'm gonna do it again we used to do this skit at the end of karaoke and we put inflatable balloon boobs inside a couple people in the skit oh yeah that's right and and this is what that feels like to me. It's like a normal person's body, but they're like, oh, Jessica Rabbit has huge boobs. Let's just put the boobs in and that's it. That's all we have to do. Literally, that's it. Yeah. When like we talked about the hair being an important part of Jessica Rabbit's character in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and like that is just completely neglected in this costume. Like, let's just give her some troll hair. It's good enough. And like Jessica Rabbit's waistline as an animated character, it's like you would have to remove half of your rib cage and two or three vital right. organs to get the the like size of Jessica Rabbit's waist. Impossible to replicate on a human being. And so it's just like I was seeing with Hades, it's an impossible undertaking to like even make this this character at all. Like forget about like that this looks bad. There would be no version of this character that looks good unless you just made it a, a puppet like all together or sure. did a Jessica hologram or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with your criteria that like just because she was a one and done thing that makes her less weird or like worthy of advancing to the finals. I think if anything, it makes her more weird to me that she popped up most recently besides Jesse. She is like the most recent character to exist on this bracket. Um, <laughs> and it, as long as you don't count, you know, your, your weird off Hades and Frollo appearance, but sure. it's like, what were you thinking? You know? And like, and, and part of the decision is what makes a character weird to me. Like, you know, we're talking about what is weird to me. Weird is, uh, a disconnect between expectation and reality. Uh, we expect the character to be this way. Here's well, I mean, that just might be another way of saying what Patty's saying, but um, yeah. you, what do you expect in a Disney parks character? Oh, I expect a recognizable Disney figure who I like and who I would like to go talk to hug or take a picture with. And it's like, I, I don't want to do any of these things to this character. <laughs> uh, whereas like Hook, this version of Hook, like I would 100% go up to this Hook and like take a selfie with him, you know? Like his, much like a 90s Dumbo, like his weirdness is attractive to me. And Jessica Rabbit's weirdness is offensive to me. And that's why I'm sending her to the finals. So, Patty, you're breaking the tie. I am. Um, <laughs> this one is a little easier than the other one. I think, Okay. I think we've talked a lot about Jessica rabbit and like her place in all of this to me. I, well, one, I don't know how big the like Roger rabbit fan base is like, or the following. If you were, like, I feel like if I were to see Jessica Rabbit having not seen the movie 
or like been to the like just knowing who she is i feel like she's someone you could find at like universal studios like she doesn't strike me as like a disney character um fair yeah like she's She's also in a hybrid movie like the movie featured characters that weren't disney right Super strange. I actually remember watching that movie at like a travel lodge in like Monterey and it like really freaked me out. It was like I was in like second grade and it was kind of scary. But I think the thing with her is just, you know, why the the, the why factor. And, you know, to your point of like Hook has like these huge eyes with no eyelids. Hers are very like almost sleepy and. I don't know. It's like if you were to take a picture with this woman, what would you do? Just like stand next to her with like your arms crossed, like on your hips, yeah. on her backside. I don't know. Like I don't know yeah. what you would even do. Um, she's weird. It's too recent to be like acceptable, like weird. So I'm 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 on board. I'm on the Jessica train. All right, we have our finals, Chris. Number four, 1963 Dwarves versus the number three, 2013 Jessica Rabbit. I can make mine quick. Go for it. I already have my pick. All right. It's the Dwarves. Oh. Dwarves. It's the arms. It's the arms. It's the arms. And then as we've been talking, I've let me share my screen yet again. I found another angle of these freaking dwarves, dude. And what? The uh, the mesh. The tongue. The, oh, okay. Well, we got mesh, the tongue. We've got the mesh in the head. The yeah. mesh in the head is not even colored to the hat. They're just these okay. black portholes. So imagine you're walking up. It's about, even the kid that's standing next to the dwarves in this is basically eye level with at least Doc's mesh porthole. So you're walking up and like it's... I understand that like even when you watch on Broadway and there's puppeteers and they're doing like whatever, a lot of times the puppeteers blend into the background and you're just watching the puppet. Like after a while, your brain gets trained to just watch the puppet as if the puppet's the one performing and that's where the noise is coming out of and whatever. But with this right here, they ran these costumes out every day for a very long time and not only one of them, Seven of them. There were seven of these costumes at the park, which, like, besides Mickey and Minnie, like, this is an army of costumes. Like, they, and they're often all together, right? And so it's hard to not see this, this blatant disrespect to the performer by not even hiding them well enough to not be seen. Like, that, that's, it's an obvious costume. Not saying that Jessica Rabbit's not an obvious costume because through a 2013 lens, that's obviously (laughs) a mask, right? But at least it was, you know, I I think justified. I understand why they had to do it that way for Jessica. I don't understand why they had to do it this way or why they chose to run it this way. This is just weird. Overall, a weird choice of costume design, a weird choice of where to put the character, a weird choice to make the arms limp. 63 Dwarves are my weirdest Disney Parks character costumes. 
I mean, they are weird, but to me, they're also very similar to like the early Mad Hatter that was bounced in the first round of this bracket and the Pooh that has the honeypot on his head and those monkeys that like are carrying the cauldron uh, or, or whatever, like, uh, like Goofy inside of a cauldron being carried by a monkey. That's a costume, right? Uh, I don't know. You just, <laughs> but like, it, like the idea that the costume department is like playing with height of like the performer versus height of uh, the character, yeah. like making them shorter. Um, like that aspect's not not really weird to me at all. Um, like the the operable faces is is the weird part to me, and the them not looking like the like the dwarves is weird to me. This Jessica, like, I have never, ever, 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 ever seen anything like this in any amusement park. Like, it's just so bizarre to do a character who has no exaggerated body shape whatsoever. This is just like a normal human-shaped body for the most part. Um, and like the hallmark of a Disney costume is like gigantic head or like gigantic body or something weird. Like this is just a whack. <laughs> it's just so whack. Sure. Uh, low quality, recent, bad idea. It's everything. So I'm going with Jessica Rabbit, which means Patty is breaking the tie to crown our winner. All the power. All the power. Um... About the dwarves, I agree with Chris that the mo- the movement is probably kind of the weirdest part. Like, had they just been still, they might have been okay. Yeah. I also think it's a miss that I mean, obviously these characters can't talk in their in their costumes, but like their main thing is like singing hi ho, like, and they don't. Yeah. They just walk around and like make goofy faces. Jessica Rabbit is just I I've never seen anything like her him her um <laughs> she terrifies me and and I think we were talking about this earlier about like the parades and like you know there's a way to do it done in a way that is you know respectable and flesh toned and you know still is true to character I actually didn't think like nowadays like the like Ariel's hair is like gorgeous. Like it is very yeah. luscious. Yeah. Same with Jasmine. Um, so I think, you know, to the point, like her hair is a miss. It is very much the troll's hair you had mentioned. It is very matted. She, to me, she's like not sexy, which I know that's like her, like that's the whole point of her, right? Is like, she's uh-huh. this like sexy character who's like a cartoon. So when you try to, translate that into like real life and still keeping those bounds of like appropriateness and you know this is a family organization I think it just kind of gets lost in translation and I don't think like you know there are plenty of female characters who I'm sure they could have gone with um or who might not have like a character at the park um, and they went with Jessica Rabbit. And so <laughs> this one is for all my female Disney characters who do not have a presence at the Disney parks. Jessica Rabbit, I think, takes the cake. 
<laughs> All right. And so we have crowned our weirdest Disney Parks character costume. And it is the number three seed 2013's Disneyland Paris Jessica Rabbit. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we're going to clap it out. Chris, the choice to make Jessica a costume to begin with was weird, but even weirder was it took place in 2013. And it took place in Paris where all good ideas (laughs) go to die. And I guess bad ideas too. (laughs) All right. Well, Patty, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, dream slash nightmare of a walk through the (laughs) characters infested Disney park of the past. Thank you guys. It was quite the journey. Um, like, I, I don't know. Um, that's all I can say. It was, it was a journey and I'm glad to have shared it with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, you know how to reach us. Do you have strong opinions about these Disney Parks characters we discussed? Did we miss one? Do you have a story encountering one of these characters? We would love to hear it. Hey, do you have a bracket idea? Do you want to hop in and do some guest hosting? We would love to have you or hear from you. Email us at mousemaddispodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Until next week, folks, we will catch you in the parks.